One of the things we started is a series called Resilient, and it's plowing through the book of Daniel, the first six chapters, and, and uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just praise you for Daniel, and we thank you for his example, and um, all the years that he stood up and he did what he knew was right, that uh, he allowed his core convictions, his commitment to you to lead him uh, with his everyday decisions, and some of those decisions were hard. Some of the decisions here that some of the people are facing are hard. And so, Lord, we just thank you for the foundation that we have because of your son. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Again, we need to go back just a little bit uh, to the book of Daniel when it began. <clears throat> As you remember, uh, Babylonia came in. They captured Jerusalem. They took captive the royal family. They took captive at least a third of the people from Jerusalem. And then they specifically targeted uh, young people who were just uh, the best of the best, best looking, best educated, and then they wanted to indoctrinate them. And one of those young people at the age of 15 was Daniel. So when you read the book of Daniel, what you realize is this is the life of a 15-year-old all the way through to the point that he's 85 years old, 70 years, we get to look into the life of Daniel. But today what we're going to look into is this very young man again, around the age of 15, this teenager that was so strong in his conviction. You may remember this quote from last week, but I wanted to share again. Remember that our core commitment to God determines your decisions. Your decisions determine your destination. That's why you have this foundational belief in God. That's why this isn't just a book that the Bible is the living word of God, and you allow that to get into your life because it's out of that core commitment that you make these really tough decisions. And your decisions and my decisions determine our destination. It's as easy as that, but it's not that easy. And what we're going to see is that this young man uh, has four character qualities that I hope all of us are striving for that we're going to see here in just a moment. I don't know if you remember this, uh, this experience. Um, when I was back uh, going through school, <clears throat> and the teacher, usually on a Friday, would say, now, don't forget, you've got these reading assignments. Really important, Bob, you know, usually kind of buzzed out because I was headed towards the weekend, you know, and I, I thought, it's obvious she, <laughs> she doesn't know my social schedule. So anyway, you'd, uh, you'd come in on Monday. Do you remember the teachers that used to give you this thing called a pop quiz. Anybody remember? Yeah, this might be how you felt. Some of you got some pictures there uh, when you're uh, being presented with the pop quiz. Uh, even in college, I still remember uh, one specific class. You never knew when it was coming. That's what made it terrible. And there was a girl in front of me. I still remember college. Her name was Bethany Pepper, and she just annoyed me. She was a straight A student. Usually like straight A, you know, like she's the, she was one of those. So anyway, there would be a pop quiz every time. And she turned around and she goes, oh, I'm not ready. Oh, I hope I do well. She goes, I'm going to bomb it. I'm like, fine. I said, okay, here's the deal. You're not going to bomb it. You're going to get an A. When I say I'm going to bomb it, I bomb it. You know, I speak truth, you know. And some of you know what that sick feeling is of taking a pop quiz and Life sometimes does the same thing. There are these shock and awe moments in life when if we are not grounded, we just feel like we're floundering. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. And that's what we want to get in today. 
See, in life, we face countless tests. The question is, how can we be equipped not to just survive, but to thrive in a culture moving away from God? And would you agree that we live in a culture moving away from God? It's depressing. You know, the more you watch the news, I don't know about you, the more depressed you see so many things you think, God must be just either really angry or brokenhearted to see a world moving away from him. Psalms 17.3 says the crucible, this is the NIV, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Now, what is a crucible? It's interesting. It is a ceramic or metal container in which metals were put in and under extreme heat, uh, those precious metals were melted. All of the impurities were melted out of those metals. Crucible. I remember years ago, uh, and today is Scout Sunday, and at the end of the service, we're going to pray for everybody involved with the scouting program. But uh, this little town we're in, had this amazing scout program, and out of that scout program, several of those guys went on to be Marines. And there was a string of half a dozen young men that went into the Marines over a, like a short period of time. And so I got a chance to catch up with them when they'd come home. Now, if you've never seen a young man before he goes into the Marines, and a young man that comes out of the training, when they come out of the training, they are different. They are absolutely, I mean, they are ripped and they are lean and they are mean. And it is, it's just amazing to see this transformation. And uh, so I've had a chance to talk to them about their training. And they said, well, at the end of it all, our class has to all go through this thing together. And if you survive that, then they will basically give you the medal that says you are now an official Marine. And that is called the crucible. And that crucible entails 54 hours of training, 48 miles, 48 pounds of gear, 36 warrior stations, 29 team building exercises on six hours of sleep. We can't even imagine. And I remember one young Marine said, I was just about ready to quit. And um, as I was climbing this hill, I looked down and somebody had lost a cross, and I remember picking up that cross and clinging to it and, and just praying, God, help me survive this thing. Some of you today are facing your own form of a crucible. You're under extreme heat and testing. And you may wonder, does God allow us to go through that? And the answer is yes. First Thessalonians 2, 4 says, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our heart. Now, how does God test our heart? He allows us to go through these really difficult times in life to know, are we truly putting our faith in him? Are we trusting ourselves? And that is a tough test. That's why this morning we're going to examine the life of Daniel. I'm going to call this the Daniel plan for being in the world, but not of the world. A huge difference. And so as we go through this in your bulletins, you can write these in. These are the characteristics, not just of a leader, anyone who is really trying to follow God. These are the qualities we should all be striving for. 
And here's the first one. Daniel was a man of integrity. Look at verses 3 through 8. When the king ordered the chief of his court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, nobility young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. And among those chosen were uh, from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, the king official gave them new names to Daniel and to Hannah and Shadrach, to Meshach, to Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself. Integrity. Integrity is the quality of being honest with strong moral principles, undivided. It's keeping your word. It's showing respect to all. It's taking responsibilities, taking responsibility for mistakes. Integrity is not being perfect. It's being consistent. And there's a huge difference. Uh, sometimes if you're a perfectionist, you'll drive yourself crazy. And you'll think, I'm not being a person of integrity because I had this thought or I blew that conversation or I should have done that. Listen, we all have those battles. But integrity is saying, I'm going to do everything I can to be consistent, that I'm the same person in church that I am outside of church. And that's not an easy thing to do. And when we make mistakes, just admit quickly, I blew it. Um, I know Debbie remembers this guy, but some of you have been around a while. George Ross was a worship minister with us. At Sherwood Oaks, and if you think I'm a nut job, you need to hang around with George Ross. And uh, I learned a lot on leadership uh, watching George. And here's one thing that he taught me early on. We were just getting ready to have a staff meeting, and I can't remember what it was George was supposed to have done, but he didn't have it done. And so, you know, Tom was like, hey, uh, did that get done, and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, we're sitting there, and in the doorway, you see this pole come in the doorway, and there's a white flag on it, and he's shaking the white flag. And he walks in, and he goes, oh, man, I totally dropped the ball. Guys, I apologize. I was supposed to have this ready for the meeting, and I didn't have it ready. No excuses. I just, I blew it. Man, I'm so sorry. And after the meeting, I'm like, man, George, that was, man, that was good. That whole thing with the flag, you know, and I, that was funny, you know, and he goes, hey, here's what I learned. More important than the flag is when you make a mistake, Wave that flag as quickly as you can. Don't make excuses. Just, just say you're sorry, but really mean you're sorry, but just fess up quickly. And boy, man, I've learned that over the years. I think it's so important. That's part of integrity is not saying I'm perfect, but saying, you know what? I make mistakes. And by the way, I just made a mistake. I own that, and that's important. And verse 8 is the most important verse. I want you to see what we mean by integrity is here's this teenage young man, and he's surrounded by his friends, and there's a three-year indoctrination. 
the Babylonian strategy was we're going to take the best of the best and then we're going to slowly break you down. First, we're going to take away your name and we're going to give you new names. And then you're going to study what we want you to study. And here's a big one. You're going to eat what we tell you to eat. Now, what are they? Teenagers. What are they eating? They're eating the finest food off the king's table. This isn't White Castle. I mean, this is the best stuff out there. And here's Daniel, and he steps back, and he goes, you know, the name, you can call me whatever you want. I know who I am. I know who I belong to, so you can call me whatever you want. But what I eat, that's actually a big deal in my tradition. And he steps aside, and he talks to the guy who's in charge and says, I will not, what's the word? Defile myself. Do you know what that word defile means? Uh, the best definition I found was, is something to become unpure, to pollute, or to tarnish or stain. In other words, it may not be a big deal to you, but this is where I drew a line, and it is a big deal to me. Uh, we're not going to eat that. Now, that is integrity. Being who you are here, outside of here. I heard a story. This is, will get you. He's a minister in England, and uh, he's just going through a hard time. Ministry it can be really hard. And um, so he gets on this uh, bus, and the, the bus driver hands him. The, he gives him the ferrets, and all day pass, gives him the change, sits down. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but he sits down, and he looks, and he's like, whoa, he was supposed to give me back a five? This is an American money. This is an England. So he said he gave me $20, basically double what I was supposed to get back. And so he said, all these thoughts started going through my head like, this must be God's way of blessing me. I can call my wife. We can have a nice lunch. It's been a rough week. You know, he's, all these things are going through his head. And then right as the bus was stopping, he's getting ready to get off. He thought, no, you know what? I'm not going to do that. And he walked up to the driver and he goes, hey, I hate to say this, but you made a mistake. I need to give you back your change. And the bus driver said, oh, I didn't make a mistake. I was at your church yesterday. And I wanted to see if you're the same guy on the bus as you were in the church. Yikes. So I do not ride the bus in Bloomington. I just... <laughs> Every day is a test, isn't it? Every day, somebody's watching. Every day, this whole idea of being men and women and young people of integrity, I mean, it's not easy. We know that it's not easy. But that's what we're praying for. Daniel was also disciplined. Man, was he disciplined. Look at verses 9 through 14. Notice what he says, how God has called the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would have my head because of you. Daniel said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat, water to drink, and then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and he tested them for 10 days. Now, can you imagine being one of Daniel's friends? You did what? I mean, you bargained that one? 
you know. Uh, but Daniel's like, no, no, th- this, is, this is a big test for all of us. Uh, we aren't going to defile ourselves. But in order to do this, think about it. For 10 straight days, it's just vegetables and water. Now, what are they? Teenagers. And they're watching all these other goofballs eat the king's I don't know if they had cream pie in Babylon, but I mean, whatever it was that was good and fattening, they were eating it and eating a lot of it, and they're eating their vegetables and they're drinking their water. But let me tell you what's happening over those 10 days. They're getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Why? Because they're not working out of the flesh. They're working out of the spirit. And when we work in the spirit and we walk away from the flesh, God can do amazing things. He can transform us. And he began to transform them. In some ways, you're like, you got to be kidding. They didn't get it. These guys are eating fattening foods, and they're not looking good for it. And these guys are lean and mean, working out, eating vegetables. Who do you think's going to look better after 10 days? But it wasn't just physically. It was mentally they were sharper. They had rose to the top because they were willing to step back and be disciplined. There's actually a book by Rick Warren called The Daniel Plan. And if you were to get the book, you'd find, first of all, if it's Rick Warren, you know 40 is going to be on the book. Okay, so it's going to be a 40-day something. But here's what I love. It deals not just with eating. It deals with these areas. Uh, It's discipline in faith, food, fitness, your focus, and your friends. And I heard Rick Warren say the reason I wrote this is because that's exactly what Daniel was disciplined in. And if we're disciplined, everybody's like, I'm trying to be happy in my life. And he said, here it is. Take a challenge and do whatever it takes to surrender to God, your faith, your food, your fitness, your focus, and even your friends. And I think what a great place to start as far as discipline. Daniel was also courageous. Again, in summer, if you look at verses 15 through 19, as that text comes up, I want you to see a few things. First of all, at the end of those 10 days, again, they were healthier and they were better nourished than the other young men. And they gave praise to God. Matter of fact, if you drop all the way down to verse 19, the king brought them in and said, he has found no one equal to Daniel. And Hananiah and Michelle and Azri as they entered the king's service. Isn't that an awesome? They found no one equal. How did they get there? Because of their courage, because of their faith. You want to grow? Uh, you want to really take this leap towards being more like Christ? Is we too have to step back and live a life of faith. Courage equals faith. Our men last fall, they did a, just this great uh, Bible study on Stepping Up by Dennis Rainey. And as the, the series started, I love these questions. These were great questions. They did a kind of on-the-street interviews. The first question was uh, basically define courage. You know, have you seen examples of courage? And so these guys are sharing examples. The second question is, when have you been courageous? The first question, a lot of quick responses. Not so much on the second one. When they ask, have you been courageous? It's like, oh, my. And you know what the root problem was? Their definition of what courage was. How do you think a guy would define courage? I'm running in a building 
to save a child and somebody in a fire. I'm on the front lines of battle. I'm risking my, I'm doing something courageous. And don't get me wrong, those are great acts. But you know what's courageous for men? Let me just talk to men for a while. Here we go. Be a good husband. Be a good dad. Don't be a workaholic. That takes courage. Oh, here's one. Go to church. Be a Christ follower. You want to talk about courage? There you go. There you go. Now, God may have a situation in your life that you have to run in a burning building or you have to stop to save someone's life, and that is an act of courage. But if you live out your faith every day, you are courageous. All of you in this room, when you take your faith and you put that faith into everyday life, let me tell you something. That trust, that is courageous. And that was Daniel. Daniel just said, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I will stand up for what you've asked me to stand up for. And for that, he is courageous. And then last of all, he was humble. He was humble. If you're to go back and look at verses 11 and 12, and then we're going to wrap up this chapter, here's what I love. Uh, when Daniel is instructed, uh, basically, uh, in this indoctrination, that here's what they're going to do next. The king is going to make you eat this food and blah, 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 blah. And uh, he realized, I I've drawn a line there. This is my enough moment. I've had enough. I'm not doing that. But you notice what he didn't do. He didn't protest. He didn't scream and shout. He didn't make a scene. Here's another. He didn't talk to the other guys before he talked to the guy that was in charge. He didn't go to his Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and go, this is so lame. Are you, are you kidding me? Shadrach, do something about it. You know, I mean, he's, he's not trying to work the room. You know what he does? He prays, and he goes directly to the one person in charge, and he says, listen. And he doesn't scream. He didn't raise his voice. He just has this conversation. Hey, uh, I know this is a tough job. I'm paraphrasing here. Man, I know this is a tough job. And I know the king wants this group of guys to just be uh, exemplary in everything that they do. But I'm telling you, uh, if you go against God's word here with the dietary laws, there's going to be a problem. So here's how we can both win. You let us do it God's way. And here's the good news. You're going to look great because these guys are going to be lean and mean and they're going to be ready. Now, let me tell you what that takes. Humility. It takes humility to do that because that's not the culture we live in. And yet he stepped up and did what was right. One-on-one, -on -one, he was respectful. He was prepared. What a lesson for all of us. And the result was pretty amazing. It said that if you get at the very end of that chapter, it says they weren't just better than the rest of the guys. They were 10 times better. And I don't know how the, I don't know if they were doing push-ups, set-ups. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what was all going on. I don't know if they, they had a huge extensive test and they were just like sharp. But God made sure that they saw that they were full of God's spirit. And God will do that with you. If you're faithful, he will multiply your efforts. And the reason you know God's working in your life is you can step back and say, I know it's God because that can't be me. Uh, you've heard me share this quote before, but I think it's so true. If you can explain it, God 
wasn't in it. That's faith. When you can logically explain. I, I, have you ever tried? I've done this with uh, some friends. They said, can you share, share with me the strategy of the West Side? And I will say, I have no idea. I, I don't, there really isn't a strategy. But I can't tell you how many Sundays I walk away and go, man, God is up to something. God is doing something. Because God wants us to work out of the spirit, not out of the flesh. These are the Christ-like attributes and qualities all of us should be striving for. Integrity, discipline, courage, humility. I want to just close with a, a story of, of these qualities that I read about. His name is Joe Kennedy. He's a football coach. Uh, he's a former Marine. There's no such thing as an ex-Marine, but he was a Marine. And he's a high school football coach in uh, Bremerton, Washington. He watched the movie War Room. Do you guys remember that movie back in 2015? And he thought, you know, uh, I know that my players know that I'm a Christ follower, but I'm so grateful that God's given me this opportunity. So after the football game, for 15 seconds, if you can imagine this, he went after the game, out 50-yard line, and he had a prayer for about 15 seconds of gratitude for his players. And after a few weeks, the players are like, hey, coach, after the game when we're heading to the locker room, you always head out to the 50-yard line. What are you doing? He goes, I'm just praying to God and thanking him for you. And they said, Coach, that's pretty cool. Well, guess, anybody want to guess what happened? Players started showing up. Hey, Coach, bless me. You know, I don't know what they're at. And then uh, it started swelling. And then it really got crazy. You want to guess who else started joining them? Players from the other team. Hey, they're praying. Let's pray. And they go, Well, guess what happened after that? Somebody from another district said, They can't do that. He can't, he's forcing religion on those players. And he said, I'm not making them pray. I'm praying for them. And they fired him. They fired him. Now, what would you do there? And he stood back and he thought, is this worth a fight? Is this worth a fight? You know what he decided? Yes. That yeah, is. And so now it's moved all the way to district court. I heard recently I actually made it to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court sent it back to the district courts, but they're still open to listen. You know what the issue is? Separation of church and state and the freedom of the First Amendment. Now, I'm not here to share with you what you should believe on this. You can go online and you can research. That's not what I'm here to do. What I'm here to share with you is how impressed I am the more I watch this coach being interviewed, very calm, very respectful. He's not demanding anything. He loved those. That, came, that comes through loud and clear. He loves those players. He goes to every home game. He still supports them. Now, here's, here's the best part of the whole story. The reporter said, so when you go to the game, is it hard? He goes, yeah, it's hard but I'm here to support those young men. And he said, is there anything about the game that makes you feel good about your decision? And he said, yeah, you know what makes me feel good? They're still praying at the 50-yard line. That's a Daniel. That's what we're supposed to do.
not be disrespectful, not be the angry, older, angry young man, but just say, Lord, I'm yours. And if it gets hard and I need you in my corner, I know you're there. And when I need to stand up, Lord, I will stand up. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for men and women in Scripture that inspire us. And I thank you for men and women in this church and all around that inspire us, that have those qualities that we shared this morning that Daniel had, uh, that they are men and women of integrity, that they are disciplined, that they are courageous, and they are so humble. Lord, that's what we pray for this morning. And we praise you for your son who is the perfect example of all of these things. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.